0: back to we bought a mic a pop culture podcast with a little ketchup <sighs> w- was that
1: it was a like bottle? down at the <laughs> very end like we are scraping that the bottom of this bottle right
0: that, here. that's that's
1: definitely a plastic bottle that's you really got to squeeze it. Yeah, you're like you're pushing it. Like it's like is this worth it? Like you're kind of reevaluating your own life choices. Like do I really need the ketchup this badly? And yes, you do.
0: Apologies for the uh the rustiness a little bit. We're getting back into ketchup mode here. We're getting back in the pod mode. We took a little bit of a break, a little bit of a hiatus. The boys are busy. Mm-hmm. A lot has happened since yeah. we last recorded. Yeah. Hunter,
1: you're married now. Oh, well I was going to wait for the introduction. Okay, 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 okay. And I am Mr. Hunter Mobley. And I'm Ernest, uh, famously unmarried as of now. <laughs> yeah. You're just always known as the bachelor
0: yeah. of the podcast. Uh, well, for now. For now we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh but yeah, we uh we had a dandy dandy wedding and uh Drew sadly like- got swept up in the thick of it and he eloped Mm-hmm.
1: uh with uh, all the bridesmaids yeah well here's the thing he caught he caught the bouquet he caught the garter And he's just been going around hand, like just asking every single person he meets to marry him. And that's why he's isn't here today with us because he's actively just searching the streets, wondering, wanting someone to marry him. So if you do see a man comes up to you, just holding a little bouquet and he asks you to marry him, you you just say yes. Yeah. Say yes. And then he can come home. He can come home to the pod studio with us.
0: (laughs) A sweet boy just looking for a wife uh, or a husband.
1: You know, my wife, my husband. Um, I man, that's the best part about being married. It's just like Borat just hits different now. Yeah. I say, "My wife, I mean it." <laughs> and guy is just like giving you the death stare.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ, what did I get myself into? Very nice. Awawawiwa. Mm, uh, <laughs> so, we are going to give you a um double review of last night in Soho and French dispatch in a separate episode. Um, but the, you know, we, we didn't know exactly how this week was going to shake out. You know, we were trying to figure out scheduling and whether or not we we're going to be able to do the pod and the Robin series. We figured let's just take it easy for one beat and do a little catch up just to, to appease the, the thirst of you listeners. Um, Shout out to all you beautiful listeners. Thank you to the donors who donate. You can always donate at anchor.fm slash mic if you want to join the Wabam fam and support all this good work that we do. Let's get into some ketchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is a little movie called No Time to Die. Yeah. Uh, the new James Bond movie, famously the first big movie to get pushed last year when COVID hit. Uh, and now here we are, what, 18 months later, and
1: it's out? Yeah. And uh, good job by them by pushing the movie. They knew this movie was going to make a fucking buttload of money, and they were right. Yeah. <laughs> this movie and Dune are single-handedly saving movie theaters. <laughs> mm,
0: you know, not not as much as maybe they had hoped but it's still you know for how badly the box office has been right. hit it's yeah. still great numbers
1: yeah no the thing like it's making it's turning a pretty heavy profit which in this day of age if any movie is turning a profit that's being released like just from box office numbers then that's that's incredible that's yeah that's the some sense of normalcy
0: the the opening numbers the opening weekend numbers were not as high as uh you know maybe they would have wanted them to be i think uh right now it's sitting at like 150 uh million domestic but worldwide is where it's at Mm -hmm. like that's really why they were waiting and kept pushing it and pushing it so they could have that global run for james bond people fucking love james bond worldwide Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not, you know, as much here in the U.S. Man, the worldwide total for this movie is 700 million. That's just a straight up non-COVID great number.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's and probably they were probably thinking that if they released this movie like pandemic not being included, then this movie would be probably right around 750 to maybe a bill. So, I mean, this is like. Pretty good. This is pretty good given the circumstances of where we're what? at.
0: The movie is pretty good. <laughs> it's a fun movie. I uh I avoided Spectre uh five years ago when it came out. And I watched it right before this one, and it's better than Spectre. Um it's better than Quantum Solace, uh, but it's not better than Skyfall
1: and Casino Royale.
0: So it's kind of kinda in the middle. You know, Mm -hmm. you you get some bad stuff with Rami Malek and you get some great stuff with kind of everything else.
1: I've heard that Rami Malek is like actively awful and he like kind of tanks this movie in some ways. It's tough, man. It's tough because he's not he doesn't fit well. Um, Which is odd because he looks like a James Bond villain. Like he looks like he was born to be like an evil skeevy little dude. I I wouldn't say he's bad. It's just
0: that I don't like looking at him. (laughs) it's
1: not a bad performance you're like joaquin and the master just like fucking hate you (laughs) you know it's like if if
0: you brought in an alien from outer space and you told them nothing about bohemian rhapsody or anything or any of the weird internet videos this guy's done they'd watch that movie and be like hey you know pretty good you know pretty good performance that's solid but just because we know rami malek and how fucking weird he is it's like You just get, I don't know, this weird feeling watching him. And it's not not bad because like, you kind of want that weird feeling from your Bond villains. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just doesn't fully click in this movie, especially because he's just kind of not in the movie that much. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of coming in at the end to really do his thing. And then for the most part, he's just not in the movie. Um, But Daniel Craig is great. It's the last Craig movie. So he put his all into it he delivers an amazing performance um also uh leah sidu is in this movie who we're going to talk about in um french dispatch mm. and she is like 30 years younger than daniel craig or something like that 20 <laughs> something years and they're really leaning into this romance in this movie and say it's just not don't great. ever change james bond <laughs> <laughs> don't ever fucking change it's just not ideal to have that situation uh, because Daniel Craig does not look young no he looks like an old older man well
1: the thing is like he's still like a sexy dude but he's like he's old man hot like he's not like a dude who it's just like oh man he's like he's in his 30s and he's actually like in his like 50s but he looks old like he looks his age he's He's, just he's he's 53 yeah so like throw like you know or at least somebody in their forties at him. What are we doing here? And
0: um, the the woman I'm, I'm I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Leia C. Sedu. I think it's Sedu. Sedu. She's thirty six. So um, you, you know twenty three, twenty three yeah.
1: years, uh, not, not ideal. Uh,
0: yeah. Um. I, I wonder. A,
1: what, I wonder what Taylor would have to say about that. Taylor T-Swift? Swift. Yeah. She, I don't think. I, I she, mean, after like her opinion on Jake Gyllenhaal and him dating her, whenever she was only like, oh, 10 that years was, older than her.
0: That was a similar, gap. yeah. So you That's know, right. um, she's she's great. She is is a very talented actress. Um, and you know, you get little bits from a lot of other great people like Anna De Armas. She fucking kills it in there. A little bit of a Knives Out reunion. We love to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffrey Wright is in there um who i mean he's popped up in some other james bond outings in the craig era but he gets some nice moments here like he's got a little swagger to him and it's it's nice to see him man we'll also talk about him
1: in our fresh dispatch that's, episode that's right french Dispatch. We'll him the movie extensively. W- that has everyone <laughs> that has a, there's an actor that you like probably in french dispatch yeah
0: um but yeah, I, I, I'm really happy that I got a chance to see this movie on the big screen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't just write it off and wait to see it at home because it looks gorgeous. The action scenes are just like incredibly well directed. It's Carrie Fukunaga, yeah. like this guy from True Detective. Like he fucking he knows how to do the thing. And he does the thing extremely well, even if like the story is kind of convoluted, but I mean, which bond movie doesn't Every, have a convoluted Yeah. It's always story?
1: MacGuffins. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but, and you know, uh, Rami Malek is not ideal, but like overall, I'm, I'm glad we finally got a chance to see this fucking <clears throat> movie. And I'm glad that like, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. You know, it, you it's up. here. We can see it. It's delivered. It's not the best bond movie, it's also not the worst um but I think you can get a lot out of it if if you're just looking for for straight up bond shit you know action uh you know beautiful uh, beautifully clad women and, and men and, in, in, in beautiful dresses, yeah. guns and, and car chases and beautiful locales. I didn't even mention, um, LaShawna Lynch is in this movie mm. and she's a badass in this movie. She plays like basically double Oh seven. Now that Bond has retired from the, the name and huh. you get some nice beats in there. Um, but I don't know. I, I, before we move on, I kind of want to get your take on like where do you think Bond should go next? Because my take is
1: I think they need to like spread the love. I think like there's I think so one much off, make one off movies. Make everybody ban- Bond.
0: the The one off Bond theory is what I'm riding on for sure. Like one off Bonds for the next few years. But the 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 other thing is like give Ana de Armas her. Thing like Mm -hmm. her character in this movie. Let's explore that, Lashana Lynch. Let's go there. Let's get uh, cute. Let's get a Paddington Bear. Uh, ben Wishaw. Yeah, ben let's <laughs> get the Q
1: show. I don't know. I we've seen what happens when Ben Wishaw does things other than Paddington. You get uh, uh, Mary Poppins returns, so maybe we shouldn't give Ben Wishaw too much rope here. But no, I I kind of like that idea of us just who did who just spent a shit ton of money on the Bond universe. Was it? It was Amazon, right? Amazon bought yeah MGM. So I think that we're going to get that. We're moving in that direction. I think that they haven't announced who's gonna be the next 007 because i think they really really want to take their time with this because i think that they want to basically create their own 007 universe whether it is donald glover or phoebe bridger or phoebe phoebe bridgers <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> yeah let's get phoebe bridgers says 007 phoebe waller bridge has been like an internet person it's probably just going to be an unknown and i kind of like that more let's just get Somebody preferably either a person of color or a woman or and or both, uh, dude, really. Daniel Kaluuya, um, fucking Daniel oh. Kaluuya was like born to play. Like, I, we that talked would about, be the greatest we talked about shit, it during dude. our whole, um, during our Judas and the Black Messiah thing. About I would like run through a fucking wall for that man. So, yeah, make him 007. Needs to happen. Anyway, like anybody who we pick, I think they really, really want to take their time with it because they want to make this a whole extended universe. I'm sure that they do want to make a Q show. They do want to make a show just like, oh, let's explore this other like side character who we only see like 15 minutes of in this movie. And then we're going to spin her off. They're going to like how they're doing a Rebecca Ferguson show for Dune, an origin story for her of the pre-Dune universe. Like yeah. I think that that everyone is moving everywhere is moving in that direction. I think that's kind of where they're going to go to.
0: Part of me though also just thinks that like one of the worst parts about this Craig era was that they try to do this one connected story throughout all the movies. And as much as i would love to see more from these characters because they're great you know ray finds his m you know like they, there's just a lot of meat on the bone i think just because they just crafted this great cast i don't like the fact that like it all has to connect i i wish i was actually I could just jump in and not have to know what happened in the previous thing
1: So I was going to ask you, well, this is like a two part question because I will say the only uh, I've only seen like a couple of James Bond movies ever in my life. To be honest, I was never really a big James Bond fan. I was more of a Mission Impossible guy uh, growing up as a kid. Um, So I've only seen Casino Royale. I've never seen Skyfall, never seen Quantum of Solace, never seen Spectre, never seen No Time to Die. Do I need to watch the other ones to like fully get everything out of No Time to Die? Or can I? Can I hop in? I have to see Spectre. Spectre,
0: you need to know like the main plot points of Spectre to know what the, to be invested in a lot of what the emotional context of No Time to Die.
1: And okay. And number two is like, was there ever a Sean Harris? uh, like in Mission Impossible in the, like is there I, is there a Christoph villain Waltz, Christoph Waltz inspector in okay is he he's also in No Time to Die for like one scene oh, it's okay it's so it's not, not great not quite that's why I didn't know is like if you're gonna do the same cast and everything have a recurring villain have like a true big bad who you like you They know, tried. try the, the thing role. is like
0: when they started this they didn't intend for it to be a connected thing like that was not the goal that was later like that. It kind of got shoehorned into being that a lot of people say that Skyfall should have been the last Craig movie because yeah. a lot of people the say trilogy. that's the best yeah. one. And, and it's like it just goes out on this high note and it's like this amazing movie. I kinda like Casino Royale a little bit more personally, even though Skyfall is like the best looking. God, the
1: ca- Casino movie. Royale, the like train gambling yeah, scene. It's dude, just that Mads. shit rips. That shit's so good. I love that. Yeah. So Spectre's the one that
0: that you know ties in plot wise the most to No Time to Die. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I hope that in the future they try to just do one-offs like just have one actor for one movie let's try everybody out let's throw Daniel Kaluuya in there let's throw fucking I don't know some people have been saying Tom Hardy why not fuck him have and do one
1: I think well I think that probably the direction more so that they could go in is maybe not doing one-off as everybody is 007 but let's have the whole 00 universe like let's see 008 like who is double like let's see like this whole universe of interconnected spies and then try and each have them give their own story. Maybe they can have some kind of I like I just at this point, my brain is broken by fucking Marvel that I'm just like, oh, everybody will have their own interconnected stories. And we'll have like some big bang of a a blockbuster where people come together. And well, I don't know. We'll speaking see.
0: of brain broken by Marvel, <laughs> Eternals is out directed by Chloe Zhao. And I saw it. Um, You know, this movie is being dragged a little bit through the mud. Lowest rated Rotten Tomatoes score for any MCU movie. A lot of people saying it's dog shit. I don't think it's dog shit. I think there's a lot about it that's bad. There's a lot about it that doesn't work. But... I think that they're definitely worse Marvel movies. For I did sure. not
1: realize this is a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I didn't like, I thought that it was low, but like, I guess I just, I, here's the thing about the problem with Eternals is I don't even think that's people like it's less so I'm worried about like critics who like are panning it because also critics are like, I saw Chloe Zhao's other work and this doesn't hold up. And it's like, yeah, no shit. It's a Marvel movie, but like, my biggest concern with Eternals and kind of with Shang-Chi and with Black Widow and with Marvel movies that have come out this year so far is that, like, it seems like just no one gives a shit, yeah. which is almost worse than people like it being universally panned, is that nobody even cared. Well, it's tough because I
0: think that you can't pinpoint exactly what went wrong with this movie. You can't point at anything and say, like, that's the thing that broke it. You can't say it was Chloe Zhao. You can't say it was Kevin Feige. You can't say it was any of the cast. There's there's holes all over it. I think that a lot of the performances are wooden, but I think that they kind of have to be because these are not people. These are like eternal beings. They're not humans. So it's a choice for them to be like kind of wooden and flat Mm -hmm. and not very human. but I also think that Chloe Zhao brings a lot to the table that other directors haven't, like this kind of uh, ethereal quality to the movie, this otherworldly, like kind of uh, kind of disconnected from the 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 hustle and bustle of like the quip quota that you got to keep up with in these Marvel movies. Obviously like there are stretches that have that, but there are these moments where it kind of just pulls back from that. And it just goes into this like fucking crazy cosmic space that no other movie in this universe has done before. Like it gets weird. It's a movie about God. It's about (laughs) reckoning with God and like whether or not you want to pursue God and believe in God. That's kind of what this movie is about, which is crazy. And like doubting God and like doubting your, the, the thing that you thought was your purpose that God gave you wild shit, wild shit. It's, it's not perfectly executed. I think there's too many characters. Um, it, it's spread thin. They need to focus more on just a couple of these characters. Cause there's good stuff here. Barry Kogan as Druig, mm.
1: Love, Barry so good. Love that guy. Fucking Kumail is like one of the best parts of the movie. That's good. I'm, I'm really happy for Kumail that like people are saying that Kumail is good. He's and great. I was really worried about him Kingo. after like, like if he took that much HGH <laughs> and then like he just also was bad. I don't know what that would have done to Kumail's career, but I'm glad that this actually worked out. For yeah,
0: me. even Angelina Jolie is like she's so sidelined in this movie. Which is bizarre because it's fucking Angelina Jolie. <laughs>
1: She's the most famous person in this movie. But the little she does
0: get to do is like, it's so interesting. It's so interesting. And and I don't know. It's tough because I, I keep coming back to this thought every time like people are up in arms about shit like this. Where and 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 obviously it doesn't just this doesn't just apply to movies but i see it recurring over and over be, just because we're so online in our fucking society we're like we're turning into computers our minds where it's just like a one or a zero it's either good or it's bad it's a masterpiece or it's dog shit like why can't both things be true at once <laughs> yeah why can, can, can you, just be
1: like kind of eh, why can't you have
0: a movie that has things that are really interesting and and thought provoking and amazing and and kind of boundary pushing and also pretty
1: clunky and and not well executed so i i because you brought that up so i want to ask because you say like that it does have these like grand ideas of god and this kind of more religious more ethereal ideas than what you're getting in your standard marvel movie but like does it really actually explore those ideas in any kind of meaningful way or does it just like propose them for people to just be like damn man that's crazy and then just kind of move on to like doing quips and doing other Marvel shit because that more so like when you're saying these ideas like that's exploring deep meanings that doesn't sound like a Marvel movie to me
0: which (laughs) is why people aren't liking it because they they people want like standard just things fed to them from a Marvel movie. They don't want to be challenged. And this movie has stretches where it does like challenge you a little bit. And it does make you like consider things that these movies don't. Um, I think the opening chunk of this movie is absolutely atrocious. Like it starts off so bad and the ending is good, although it could be better. There are some really, really crazy cool stuff in the end, but overall it's like, eh, I think this the middle chunk is where you get those moments of it really kind of deliberating on these thoughts and really having its characters struggle with these ideas of like, who are we? Why are we here? What's our purpose? Why do we have this belief and this this path that we have... We think is our our fate and our destiny. Should we question it? Should we doubt our creator, our God? It actually like has the characters kind of struggle with that, and 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 uh, you know convey these ideas and 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 without spoiling. Well, maybe I'll spoil a little bit. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, just skip ahead. Druig's character or, uh, Druig, Barry Kogan's character, his power is to control people's minds. That's his power. He can control, he can take over mind control people. He very quickly realizes that he can stop humans from killing each other. Literally just by controlling their minds that he sees a conflict where humans are about to fucking kill each other and he can just stop them. And uh, Salma Hayek is like the leader of the the group. And she says that their God, she doesn't use the word God. They have, it's like some other word. I don't remember it right now, but essentially their God says that they can't interfere when humans have conflict. They have to let the conflict play out. And Droog is like, why? That doesn't make any sense. I can literally stop them from killing each other. Mm. And the the story plays out over like thousands of years. So you see these moments where like Druid could prevent some real horrible violence. And he's told not to prevent it. And that really like takes a, a toll on him. Mm-hmm. And
1: Barry Cogan, like he's an amazing actor. He could fucking yeah. sell this shit. I and mean, it's cool, like exploring that whole idea of God cannot be like uh, all knowing, all present and all good, like at the same time, like that kind of that idea. Also, um, Brian Tyree Henry's in this movie. Yeah, I, that's I've heard that he is astounding. He movie. is. He's
0: incredible. He is the the moment where he comes into the movie is when the movie fully comes to life mm-hmm. and you're like oh my god wow I, I care the about these people <laughs> holy shit and another little spoiler here um, he's responsible for the atom bomb and Hiroshima uh, because oh, his power <laughs> is technology he gives people uh, technological knowledge to help them advance and it leads to Hiroshima, the nuclear weapon that destroyed this, actually, I guess two nuclear weapons, but we only see one in the movie. A lot of people are dragging this moment because it's like, how dare you equate one of the most horrible things that humanity ever did to space aliens, like playing God. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, of course, of course, that's some that's some whack shit, but it still makes you think about these tough questions of like. If there is a God, why would a God let something like this happen? It's not perfectly executed. It's clunky, but the fact that it's in a Marvel (laughs) movie
1: that they go to like Brian Tyree Henry did Hiroshima. (laughs) See, the thing is that like. The way you here's the thing you are actually doing a good job on selling me on this movie because I was just going to give this movie the Shang-Chi treatment and I was just going to be like I'll wait till it comes on D+ and I'll just check yeah, it Yeah, I then. mean you might as well so, though. Okay, so maybe not. Maybe you aren't selling me all the way. But you are selling me more than I thought the problem is that I know that you're being too generous to the themes of this movie. I know that at the end of the day, I this there's probably there's got to be some stupid alien Marvel shit. That, yeah, that they like fight the deviants. majority of the movie. There's got be like the tentacle monsters. And yeah, shit. I see, I see, so Richard Madden shoots lasers from so his eye. I've also heard that Richard Madden and Jimmy Chen are like actively like bringing down this movie, which is unfortunate because I yeah, really like Richard it's Madden. It's not great. I don't. I'm not super <laughs> familiar with Jimmy Chen, unfortunately, but I've heard that. <laughs> The two of them, their performances, the character, like it just It's very wooden, very flat. It's both of them are like, because they're the two main leads, right? And that's, that's bad. You can't have like your two main leads in a movie actively bring the movie down. Yeah, it's, it's not
0: great, but I, I am. Yes, I am very, being very forgiving. I do think that like, just because like the Barry Kogan stuff, the Brian Terry Henry stuff, like there's good stuff here. Like Kumail is so funny. He has like this sidekick guy who's a human who's like filming him. He is so funny, so good, so charming. Again, it's not all binary. You can have multiple things be true Yeah. in a situation like this. In this big the Marvel movies are the biggest fucking movies. And for them to put such weird shit in there. I think that's kind of cool. It doesn't all work. It doesn't all come together. But the fact that they let Chloe Zhao make this weird fucking movie about space gods being sad and like contemplating their fate and their
1: faith in God,
0: that's commendable.
1: Yeah. And... I will say I'm glad this movie isn't a it's not bombing like no Marvel movie will ever fucking bomb again. Um, It's still making it's at 118 domestic 280 worldwide and I'm glad it's doing well, but it's not doing so well that Marvel will tie down Chloe Zhao. Chloe, go back and keep doing you keep making the writers keep making Nomadlands. I think
0: this is the first Marvel movie to be helmed by a Oscar winning director. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, because they got her before, before it was Oscar, yeah. she was an before Oscar director. The problem is, like, usually you make a Marvel movie to get your blank check and it just so happened that she made a movie to like her next movie is going to be her blank check movie because now she has an Oscar win yeah. and a Marvel movie under her bed. So she's get that she's bag, bad. Chloe, you get that bad. Chloe, I'm happy for you. Um, all right. I'm, I'm going to shout out a couple
0: TV shows I've been watching, uh, before we move on to your ketchup real quick. So I've been watching the new American crime story, impeachment, mm-hmm. the, the Bill Clinton, um,
1: uh, uh, Monica Lewinsky, uh, Uh, retelling Mm -hmm. the notably the show that was supposed to come out last year and before the election, because of the election, they were like, Yeah, let's not put this out before the election comes
0: out. Um, good call. This is not a bad show, but it's not nearly as good as the other two American Mm -hmm. crime stories, which I loved. OJ Uh, and Versace, yes, I love both of those. This one, it's it's good, it's just not on that level. Um, Beanie Feldstein is amazing as Monica Lewinsky. Bill Clinton is played by Clive Owen and I'm just like "Uh, I don't know about it. It it was bad casting at the time. He's not bad but
1: it's like Rami Malik. It's like (laughs) it's just kind of weird to look at. Clive Owen is not Bill Clinton. Like you could have done so much better for Bill Clinton. They give him a prosthetic nose that's
0: like (laughs) not ideal man. Not ideal but I enjoyed watching it. I just kind of put it on, you know, kind of every week just to to check in on it. And I didn't feel like it was too much of a waste of time. Um, It's it's, I don't think it's going to make my top 10. There's way better TV this year for this. But I recommend it if you're if you're mildly interested in this story and you were too young to kind of know the details about it. Like me, Um, you know, I was like maybe like three years old or something when this shit was happening. So I didn't really know anything about it. Um, so, you know, if you're older, obviously like you, this is not going to be, this is not going to add anything if you lived through this whole scandal. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, some of us were, were really young back then. So just to add that like dramatic, uh, tinge to the, the reality of the events was, it was pretty entertaining, you know? Um, and I watched that on FX, um, which I think it's going to be on Netflix eventually. Now that it's wrapped up its run. Um,
1: I I'm also they, Hulu didn't get that. Well, that's, uh, that's I'm, the whole thing is like because Ryan Murphy is a weird thing. Cause it's on F it's premiering on FX, which is a Disney property, but he still has that deal with Netflix to give them content something weird
0: like that. Yeah. Um, one thing that is on Hulu, those, uh, why the last man, mm. um, which got, fucking canceled after one season it's not coming back i don't know why i just maybe not enough people watched it but i really liked it it's an adaptation of the comic book which is like one of my favorite comic books of all time about how like all the men die except for one yorick brown um and this has been in development hell forever actually fucking barry kogan was attached i think they shot the pilot with him and then scrapped it And remade it with this new guy who's pretty good, Mm. but he's kind of like not even close to the best part about the show. All the women around him are. And that's a good recalibration of the original material because the comic is very much centered on him and his adventures. The um, show is... More about the women that are still living in this world.
1: So I'm not familiar with this comic book. Is it like a similar story to like children of men? Kind of a that idea. Is it like an apocalyptic world or children of men is like slowly over? Yeah, it's just people just are all becoming infertile. But I didn't know if it's like a it just suddenly it is no men are being born. Yeah, it is
0: a leftover style fano snap. But just dudes. Yeah, exactly. One thing I I do really appreciate about, you know, the length of time that has happened since the book was published and now the the show is that the whole uh, trans experience has been, uh, you know, accepted by the world Mm -hmm. in in a much more open way. Um, So in the book, it's just as simple as like all the men are dead. But in the show, it's like, no, 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 it's a little bit more complicated than that. Because if you're a trans man, you don't have a Y chromosome. So you still survive this event. So what happens in this world is that there are still trans men that survive this event because it just killed everybody with a Y chromosome, including trans women and, and uh, cis men. So it gets into the weeds a little bit here about like examining like what this post-apocalyptic world looks like with trans men still alive and like the resentment that some of these cis women might have against them and like kind of navigating those waters. Oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. It's super, super fascinating. And it's a nice change of pace to kind of update the Mm -hmm. story for 2021 from like, you know, 20 years ago when the book was originally written. So I really hope that somebody else picks it up for a second season Uh, because I, I would love to see how much more they deviated from the story and how much more it becomes its Mm. own thing, because it really seemed like it was just getting started. Like they were just kind of laying the seeds for taking the, the base premise of the book and kind of doing a new thing on it. Because I think that if they would have just done the exact same thing, it, that's just a failed effort. Like it's one of the best books ever you're not going to beat it like you're not going to surpass how yeah. good quality it is impossible
1: yeah you got to do like uh like a, i mean what's well, different because the show went on longer than the book but like a leftovers thing exactly like, and make it its literally. own make it literally it's completely its own thing um so how far into the book does the show go is
0: it like not far man i don't think so i i mean i i'm trying to remember the book i it just kind of does its own thing. It doesn't okay. really follow the main piece. Okay. I mean it 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 has a lot of the same characters um but it just seemed to be kind of trying to 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 emulate the overall story but go about it its own way. Um so I'm bummed that it got canceled. I mean, we'll see if it gets picked up, but the first season's on FX on Hulu right now. I I think it's worth watching. It is tough though just because of like covid and the pandemic to kind of like dive into a show like this where like an unexpected event wipes out 50% of the population <laughs> yeah. you know ugh. that scene where like everybody fucking drops dead is like really tough to watch in the pilot oof but beyond that it it does it it gets really interesting and and behind the scenes they had a lot of women involved in like the writing mm-hmm. and directing team so it does have that kind of different edge to it than a lot of these shows in this same realm have, because like in a post a uh, uh, walking dead world, we've seen this before the same post-apocalyptic type of thing. Like it's crazy. Cause like the, why the last man, it seems so uh, new when it was first written and now seeing the show, it's like, Well, we've kind of seen this before. Children of Men, Walking Dead, like it doesn't feel that fresh. So that's kind of like another hump to get over. But it seemed like they were on the right track. I'm bummed that it's canceled. Hopefully they'll bring it back. Um, Two more quick things here before I turn it over to you. Uh, Foundation on Apple TV Plus. Uh, otherwise known as the Lee Pace the Lee is an Pace eternal Joint. god
1: yeah, that's- <laughs> show so I keep just seeing I, you know we've we've already I think on multiple episodes of this podcast shout out our love for Ted Leso stay tuned for the best TV show of the year episode where me and Ernest will both have that on our list but I kept seeing this every time I turned on Apple Plus Foundation I'm just like do I turn this on just to see what Lee Pace has been up to <laughs> the patron saint of the We Bought a Mike podcast. <laughs> uh, is it worth it? He's,
0: he's barely in the show. <laughs> oh, no. Um, they, I'm not fully caught up on it, but I think the newest episode is like a full on Lee Pace, like, hour which I'm excited for. Okay. I mean, he plays it's it's interesting this show is based on like this really old series called Foundation by Isaac Asimov which I've never read, but it's very popular with people older than us. Um and I don't know how closely it sticks to that book, but Lee Pace plays Empire. And in this show, Empire is the the ruler of the galaxy, and he's visualized as three separate individuals who are all clones of the original emperor. And one's an old man, one's a younger boy, and then the middle one is Lee Pace. So it goes like young, middle, old. And that's just a fascinating premise right there, to have your emperor be three Clones of the same person at three different stages of life. Um, And that's really what keeps me watching is just like exploring that whole deal. There's a lot of other things going on in the show. Uh, Jared Harris is in there as this guy named Harry Selling, who is like the architect of the foundation itself, which is supposed to be like this arc of human knowledge that is going to survive all types of downfalls of, of civilization. Um, and there's a bunch of other subplots that I, I won't bore you or the listeners with that I honestly did not have time for. Like, <laughs> this is one of those shows we, we talked about Dune and we we really I think all all of us loved how well Dune took a very dense sci-fi premise and made anyone able to tap yep. into that story. Make it accessible without it, dumbing it down. Too exactly. much. Exactly foundation does not do that at all so it's just way too dense it just pushes you into the fucking deep end and it's like good fucking luck and it just it doesn't make for a a good watching experience when you just don't have that little tiny bit of hand holding to to let you into this crazy sci-fi world and for that like i really gotta ding it even though it Mm. looks fucking incredible every shot has like apple spent a shit yeah all the the apple money. it looks fantastic watch it on a 4k screen what have you like just put it on in the background as a screensaver (laughs) um i'll watch it through the end just for lee pace
1: (laughs) because i love that man not he's a perfect specimen. (laughs) perfect specimen i do love lee pace so much but Yeah, no, I uh, would not would not recommend even though they put money into it for sure. Well, I will ask you because there's one other Isaac Asimov um, adapted novel that has become a piece of mainstream media, and that's iRobot. Is this, movie, right. is this show better or worse than the film? The Will Smith vehicle, iRobot. You know that movie comes on cable a lot? Yes, it does because it looks, I have YouTube TV and boy do I, I turn on CGI. like 10 minutes of it all the time. The faces on the robots are the most horrifying shit. It's so bad. It's so bad and yet I like... Still watch it for like ten minutes, and I'm like, "Oh, this is the part where Will Smith is just like autopiloting yeah. in the in the highway, and he's just about to veer off and fucking." I I used die to love a that
0: movie crash. as a kid, and now I'm watching. I'm like, "Damn, I was into some
1: dog shit." <laughs> yeah. See, so if we would have done a Will Smith series, we would have watched a whole bunch of iRobots, which you know. So yeah, Foundation wouldn't
0: recommend unless you're devoted to uh, Tall Man Leapes being absolutely uh sexy.
1: how's jared harris barely in it That's, Bare- yeah god you're lee pace and jared harris are my two reasons to tune right. into this show and they're just not
0: really in it yeah maybe he'll get his big episode i mean he was in the pilot a good bit but then he just kind of disappears um again like i don't know this this show has cool concepts like cool sci-fi concept it's a cool world you know but you gotta give me a story, man. Yeah. You gotta give me a, a Paul Atreides. <laughs> give me
1: a White Savior. Give me Come a on. Duncan Idaho. <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, last thing, real quick. This leads into what you're going to be talking about. Midnight Mass on Netflix is a fucking masterpiece, and mm. I want every single person mm. listening to this to watch it, so that you will know. Uh, how good it is, and then we can go into spoilers at a later time. When we talk about it, it is absolutely glorious. It is 150% going to be on my best of the year list. (laughs) Mike Flanagan, you fucking king.
1: So, yeah. No, that's honestly, that's all that I want to hear about Midnight Mass, because... I've like I've discovered some things about myself, including in the last uh, month leading up to the wedding, that like I have season tickets to anything that Mike Flanagan does for the rest of his life. I want to go back through. I'm like, yeah, no, maybe I should check out Ouija. Maybe I should watch the director's cut of Doctor Sleep. Isn't it Ouija Two? Yeah, it's Ouija Two. <laughs> <laughs> Since
0: I not the first Ouija. No. So I talked about the the director's cut of Doctor Sleep on this podcast. Yeah. I liked it. It was <laughs> it was very long and kind of like i I'll, I'll watch it over two nights. I watch yeah. it over a couple of days because this like, is like three and a half hours long. I think it's just three, but oh. it's it has like multiple subplots that he's trying to kind of balance, and he doesn't really balance them too well. But the and I think based on Midnight Mass, I think this is just like a recurring theme for him: the theme of like addiction like yes. e- Ewan McGregor struggling with addiction and like the, the the way that haunts him and how that's visualized
1: in that movie is fucking genius yeah Um. so I, uh, I have not seen Midnight Mass yet because I was really taking my time with season one or season one it's each of the shows that he's done for Netflix are independent but his first show that he did for Netflix The Haunting of Hill House um, which I watched and this genuinely it came out in 2018 this probably this would have been my number one of the year in 2018 if I would have saw it wow. Um this is one of the best seasons of television that I've seen in years like I think that this was just So astounding and so genius the way that and I'm sure you know it's I mean same thing for Midnight Mass where he's writing and directing every episode or not directing Uh, does he direct every episode of Midnight Mass? Yes. Okay so maybe uh, I guess it is then Um, but he has his hand so on the pulse of these big ideas and he's able to fit them into just like a story like a spooky little story like it's so funny like Haunting of Hill House the source material, which I didn't even realize until after I had finished the show with uh, my wife, my wife, my wife, because um, she had read the book Haunting of Hill House, which is just like very standard. Uh, it's about a girl named Nellie. She goes to a house and she starts to like feel this like spooky haunting. These things are happening. And she realizes the house won't let her escape. Um, it's like a 200 page book. The show is like so completely different from that whole idea. The show, it takes this idea of a haunted house and uses that just as the backdrop to make a show about family, about trauma, about addiction, about mental illness. It is so deeply profound, and it has some of the best television performances like I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's so fucking good top to bottom. And really it's funny. I knew, uh, only a couple of the people who are actually in this show, uh, Elizabeth Reeser who plays, who you might recognize as, um, mama Cullen from the twilight movies. Nice. Um, I recognized her. She's also was in the Ouija film that uh, Mike Flanagan wrote and directed. And uh, our guy, Oliver Jackson Cohen, who you might remember from our Invisible Man podcast as the guy who we all universally dragged. The guy who plays the Invisible Man himself, who is actively terrible in that movie. Yeah. I'm now second guessing. I kind of want to take back everything that we said about Oliver Jackson Cohen because he's so good. He plays um, Luke, who is a character who is struggling from mental or er, struggling from addiction uh, from heroin addiction. And again, I don't know if it was a problem with invisible man with the writing for that character. I, or I don't know if it's just a uh, props to Mike Flanagan for making him incredible in this role. Either way, he's so good. Top to bottom, the performances are incredible. There's a... Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find her right here. Oh, uh, Victoria Padretti, who is... Uh, me and Guy are both in love with, who plays Nell, uh, is kind of one of she kind of starts out as a lead of the show and then it becomes more and more of an ensemble piece as the 10 episodes go on same but, deal with midnight mass for sure. yeah it just kind of that whole idea where you're like oh this is our like character that we're going to be in the mind and then it just kind of keeps bouncing around um there's a lot of the uh, overlap in the cast i'm looking at it yeah now. he's got like kind of a squad that uh stays between this uh bly manor and midnight mass which bly manor is the other one that i have not seen that neither of us have seen um, I've heard a little bit more mixed things on. Um, I'm definitely. I might start watching Midnight Mass honestly tonight <laughs> once I go home. Uh, I will just say to the listeners, Hang of Hill House is a perfect show. Watch it. I cried during the finale like more than I have at like any hour of television or film in a very long time. It affected me in the I most visceral way that I can't even. It's it's so fucking good. Perfect. Perfect piece of television. Uh, Henry Thomas. You.
0: You remember uh, E.T.? He's the main guy in E.T. Wait, what?
1: Oh, my God. Holy shit. What? Yeah. Dude, he's so good in this. Is right. the dad. He plays like because the show flashes back and forth between like the haunting that happens while a lot of these uh people were kids and like to present day. And he plays like the young version of the dad. He's so good. And so charming. I did not realize that that was midnight mass.
0: And like, I did not recognize him at all. (laughs) No, I never would have guessed that was him. Yeah. Uh, Kate Siegel is also in midnight mass. Um,
1: Oh my God. Kate Siegel is so fucking good. I, that's another person that, uh, guy and I are both completely in love with Theo. I just, oh she's so good yeah I, also that's a uh, that's his wife that's mike flanagan's wife which oh okay you look at a picture push. you look a picture of mike flanagan you're like <laughs> buddy must just be the abilities <laughs> you're very talented because you don't got the looks oh buddy <laughs> <laughs> You see that and then you look at the Kate Siegel and you're like, what? God damn. She's with him. I know. It's a classic Hollywood thing where it's like, ah, shit. I mean, to be that very talented. talented. Yeah, just to be that talented because it doesn't come in the looks
0: department. I I mean, I, I don't want to spoil anything about Midnight Mass, but I do want to just say a couple of quick things real quick while we're here. It has some of the best direction. Of any television show I've ever seen. Like there are sequences where like the camera movement is so fluid and it's all character driven where like the staging and and the way the camera moves, it's all motivated by the characters. And best thing about Midnight Mass, and I'm sure this is the thing with Hill House, too, is that like it has that Stephen King feeling of like in, in Midnight Mass, you're in this, you're on an island and it's this town that's on this island and you get such a good idea of what this community is like and what it's like to live on this island mm-hmm. and be a part of this weird, weird town. And the, the supernatural stuff, the weird shit, it comes later. First. Let's establish this world. Let's set up these characters in this space, and he is so good at doing that with the camera and with the the, the staging and the the blocking and the fucking performances, of mm-hmm. course. But incredibly well directed, and it's crazy because like his movie work hasn't really popped off. Like, of yeah. course, he did Doctor Sleep, but that movie wasn't successful. Like yeah. that wasn't like a huge hit. Um, Hush was pretty small. Ouija was small. What was the other one? Oculus. Yeah. Oculus. Like none of these movies yeah. have really popped off. I that mean, much. It just,
1: you know, a lot of times it just happens where people are just better. Like they're meant for, television is just more of a blank canvas for them to work in. You know, it's interesting you said that because I I don't want to say much about Haunting of Hill House, but it's funny how you described how Midnight Mass is orchestrated because the funny thing about uh, Hill House is that it starts out with the supernatural stuff. Okay. It starts with Haunted House. Like, and then from there, you like watch the first episode or at least the first half of the first episode and you're like, okay, cool. This is going to be like a fun Haunted House show. Yeah. And like, I think that some people kind of just viewed it that way whenever it first came out we're like okay cool i got it i'm good um but then it just kind of keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper into these characters and fleshing them out and then by the end you're like oh like this isn't scary at all like this is like just not even a a horror show like this is just kind of a show about family i love Um, that it's so good um you mentioned the direction and I won't say who or when it happens but there's an episode in Hill House where there's a wake and the direction is That's like That's a Warner. Yes. Yeah, there's like it's a collection of winners. It the episode starts out with I had to stop it at a certain point because i was like like had to like take a little deep breath and like walk around i was a 12 and a half minute one and then like kind of like cuts into another like seven eight minute one and then to another like just the whole episode it's just yeah it's a collection of words and it's astounding like it's it's theatrical fucking good i can't even like which
0: the thing with midnight mass is like so many people are like oh the monologues these all these characters are just doing monologues and it's like, well, that's isn't that the point? Like yeah. don't you want
1: things to be like theatrical at a certain <laughs> I don't point? Don't want people to talk like humans all the time. You know how people sound like if I'm just listening to people have a conversation they suck, they're inarticulate. Like that's not what I want to watch yeah, my entertainment be. Acting. Yes, I want people I don't monologuing can be annoying if it's done poorly, but when monologuing is done, right. It's the best shit in the world. Think about like just any, think about fucking a Cohen movie or stuff. Cohen movies have like Shakespeare. Yeah. Shakespeare. Think about anything. Like there's plenty of fucking monologuing in these movies, but it's the best monologuing ever. Then you just buy into it.
0: Um, so Flanagan has something in the pipeline called the midnight club. Um, but I had also heard that he was making, he must have like some kind of overall deal with Netflix because I had heard that he was also making like some kind of Edgar
1: Allan Poe show. That I would like. I think that he could actually do that. Well, because there hasn't really been good Edgar Allan Poe content and uh, here's the thing about Edgar Allan Poe is that he writes poems, not full stories. <laughs> so uh, whenever you get, remember the John Cusack movie? What was it called? Oh, Poe? I did not watch that. <laughs> Like, no, but there's been adaptations of Edgar Allan Poe things before. It's like, well, when you have uh, when you're trying to adapt like a four stanza poem into a 90 minute film, it's probably not going to be very good. Yeah. So he has the (laughs) Midnight Club and then this Poe thing is called The Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. Oh, no, that's like an incredibly famous. He's adapting The Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. For Netflix. Is it going to be a film or a show? No, it's a show. It's a Netflix show. You know, I would normal if that was anybody else except for Mike Flanagan, I'd say that would be a disaster. But after seeing how he has adapted Shirley Jackson novels that are otherwise pretty short, kind of by the numbers things, I'm in on that. I can't wait for you to watch Midnight I, Mass. Fun fact uh, for for just for you, because the listeners don't know this, but uh, donor of the pod, uh, friend of the pod. Guest of the pod, Dane. Uh me and him were in English class in tenth grade together and we did a whole project on Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. where we had to make a website and we made a website on the fall of the house of Usher. And whenever you clicked on it, it played uh um Confessions by Usher. Oh my god. <laughs> and Miss Johnson
0: loved it. We got an A. <laughs> Woo. Uh you're going to flip when uh Mike Flanagan puts a shirt like needle confessions
1: confessions. Oh my god. Man, good All shit. All right. What else you got? Um next up uh I just like wholly praised a show for being one of the best things I've seen this year. Now I talk about one of the worst things I've seen this year. Oh, and boy. unfortunately it's Halloween kills. Um god damn it was i so excited for this movie i was so never never forget how
0: much you defended halloween 2018
1: remember whenever i came on this (laughs) podcast and i like screamed at you and drew about how podcasting is good podcasting is important and that's why halloween is a masterpiece remember
0: ray was here for
1: that he just
0: had to watch his (laughs) fight yeah ray was like yeah it's pretty
1: good Yeah, I uh, shout out to Ray. So i I really loved 2018's Halloween, and at the recommendation of friend of the pod, Colin, uh, I did not revisit Halloween because I heard that it it wasn't as great as I remembered it being in theaters. Um, so I just didn't watch Halloween Kills. Probably should have rewatched Halloween right before because it does what Halloween two does to the original Halloween, which is that it takes place. Immediately after, mm-hmm. also like, at the hospital. Yes. Yeah. Well. There. Yeah. Credits close. Like credits hit on Halloween on 2018's Halloween, and basically Halloween kills takes place five minutes later. Yeah, and evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight, can I spoil Halloween kills? Yes. do you give a shit about this movie? All right, listeners, I'm gonna spoil Halloween. Should kills. Should I not watch <laughs> i think I think it's like actively like fucking awful. I think it's so, so bad, and it's the not thing even is, worth
0: the, the like hate
1: watch. I guess if you are giving a hate watch, it's just it's like too long to be a hate watch um. like a hate watch for me is like a good like ninety to hundred minutes. I guess it's one forty five so I you know. It doesn't feel like 145. It felt like it was there for two hours while I was watching it. Um, There's definitely some good ideas in it. There's some pretty good performances. You know, our guy is in there. uh, um, Will Patton. You'd love to see Will Patton in there. Um, But... uh, basically the whole thing of the people have made a meme out of the evil dies tonight is that it really tries to explore this idea of like mob mentality and like people are like Michael like ruined this town so we're gonna fucking hunt him down and we're gonna kill him the humans are didn't like he, the people are gonna take over like didn't they retcon like everything yeah so they did so that so pretty much the events of the first <laughs> Halloween happened and then the 2018 <laughs> Halloween so he's had twice he's it's had two events and like four people have died and people are like fuck the cops we're going to kill this man evil dies tonight (laughs) so the whole idea is like there's also whenever uh, Michael Myers his like bus that his transit bus that he was going on crashed and escaped there was actually two convicts that escaped it was Michael Myers and somebody else so you keep seeing this other guy and people see him like in like the crazy uh, um, like the the jumpsuit from the um, sure yeah. mental hospital or whatever I don't remember what the fuck it's called. Um coming from the mental hospital, like see him and that and they're like, that's Michael, we have to get him. And so they chase down the guy and they basically they chase this guy, uh like full mob mentality, try and stop him and they make him kill himself. Uh just this innocent civilian. And this whole idea of like yeah, a man, sick a guy with maybe, like actual mental illness Yeah. Illnesses. And it's like, you know what? Maybe we're the monsters yes. <laughs> Oh boy! And this is like a this is like thirty. Ending? This is no. This is like a thirty-minute tangent in the middle of the movie what? that, like, I was just like, I, I never do this, but like, I did like check my phone for like any like. I was just like, <laughs> I fuck this movie. They, You're in the theater. It got just so preachy totally at a certain out. point, dude. People were so like. I just reached a point, you know, like horror. I really want to see this movie in a theater. It came out on Peacock. I was like, no, I'm not going yeah, it to watch it on the cock. Peacock original. not going to watch <laughs> it on the cock. I'm going to go see this in theaters because I love more than anything. I love seeing horror movies in theaters. Like that's what I missed. One of the things I miss the most is seeing big blockbuster movies in theaters and seeing horror movies in theaters because horror movies just, they get an audience reaction. The audience was just so not into it. There reached a point. There was people like in like, four or five rows in front of me who just like actively just started talking to each other during the movie like it was insane like watch and like I didn't even shush them because like just nobody cared like it just like people were like getting up like as the ending was happening like oh it's over I cannot believe how un like not into this movie people were especially because Whenever Halloween came out, people were so into it. Like I had a great fucking theater time in the theater. I saw it with. It wasn't empty. Like it was pretty packed. I saw it on Saturday of opening weekend and I was just like, you know, I've heard pretty bad things about it, but it's, it's, you know, it's opening weekend. it'll like, it'll be fun theater movie. Box office was solid. I mean, maybe I just like went to the theater with a bunch of intellectuals i don't know like but it's well just because the box office was solid doesn't mean the movie was solid no well i just meant like word of mouth wise um right but i don't know like another big problem so jamie lee curtis is i think that she was on set for uh two and a half days Mm. um all of her scenes take place in that hospital oh boy um no there's one scene that's in the back of the ambulance where they're like let it burn you have to burn the house down let it burn um and then which i i say that like it sounds like a making fun jamie lee curtis is a fucking queen we love jamie lee curtis um but then she's just in the hospital jamie yeah good for her she got that back isn't
0: she doing the third one too
1: how it ends you think she'll be in that one more I, I hope so. The whole thing that she isn't in this one is because she's, like, just got fucking stabbed at the end right. of the... She's, like, bleeding out to death at the end of Halloween. Um, yeah, so she isn't in much. Judy Greer, honestly, isn't in a whole ton of it. She's in it a little bit more than Jamie Lee Curtis. So the movie it's just mostly, has a bunch of random people in it. It's mostly the kids... Of whom are, I'd say, 90% really bad, really untalented. Luckily, pretty much all of them die. Uh, so there is that. Um, you know, the movie ends uh, and they're just like, they bring Michael within like an inch of death, and then they like stab him in the back of. They stab because it. They like kind of chase him out. There's like one kind of cool scene, I guess, where they like they do the whole thing where like Michael's chasing them, and then Judy she's chasing Judy Grue, and she's like running, running, like ah, and she like goes running away, and then like suddenly everybody comes out with baseball bats, and they're like, "We got you, Michael." Evil now, dies tonight. Evil dies tonight, <laughs> and so they think they they hit him on the head twice, and they stab him in the back in the spine, and. It's like he's definitely dead now, guys. Oh yeah, he's definitely dead. Didn't fucking. (laughs) He's definitely dead. Let's all at the same time turn our backs to him. (laughs) (laughs) The ending is some of the worst shit like I've ever seen in my life. Oh no no no! Oh my god, I just completely remembered a whole new thing because they really try and like make Michael Myers a good guy in this movie. (laughs) do you see his face no you don't see his face thank god thank fucking god you don't see his face no but uh they talk about you know like every halloween like he likes to just go up there because he killed his sister that's the whole thing how it started how he got put into the um, institution all that fun stuff so like he goes up and he looks greatest
0: tracking shots i'm fucking woners yes yeah the opening of the og movie
1: oh yeah no it's perfect um so the whole thing where he's like standing out of his sister's window looking outside they say, like, you know what? What if he's not actually looking outside? He's actually looking at the reflection of the mirror. He's looking inside. He's looking at himself. That's something I'm that speechless. they actually say in the movie. <laughs> and, like, I wanted to be like, Boo, <laughs> boo! <laughs> Fuck you! Um, but people yeah, it's awful. paying attention to the, boo. The, the movie does end uh, because Judy Greer is the one who says this, and spoiler alert: um, the movie ends where Michael Myers come back. Comes back. He kills everyone. Sorry, Will Patton. Sorry, the entire squad. And then eventually, Judy Greer staying up in the mirror, and she looks. She sees the reflection of herself in the mirror, and then she gets fucking killed by Michael Myers. <laughs> Judy Greer, pour yeah. one out, you know what you get that bag, Judy Greer. you go on to do literally any fucking thing else this it's it'll be better than I that. wish I wish she could do more I, I wish say she she, more. I think she's like doing really good, doesn't she has like a lot of like she's like huge on Instagram and like she's she's doing shit. she's keeping busy with other things. I feel like things. she's always relegated to like the side person, yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate for her like film career, but yeah. You know. Um don't recommend it. Uh I mean I guess like give it a casual watch on Peacock. Don't fucking see it in theaters, especially at this point cuz the audience won't you don't even have that going for you. Yeah. Well, Evil does die tonight. Evil so. dies tonight. <laughs> um one last thing. Um let's go to a uh throw it over to um we bought a controller. Um <laughs> That's That's good. Okay. That was that was we bought a controller so. <laughs> um drew is it here which means we can talk video games um and i briefly wanted to talk about a game i haven't talked much about the ps5 because unfortunately because of a pandemic there hasn't been a ton of new games on the ps5 i heard guardians uh, so is good yeah to be honest i think that i think that the art style is really fucking ugly for guardians um Yeah, it looks rough. It's really ugly to me. Um, What's the studio? Is it Square Enix? mm, Is it? That's who made
0: the Avengers.
1: Yeah, no, you know, it is. It is Square Enix. It's by the same studio, the same squad that made. Which I'm glad it's barely Avengers because Avengers fucking sucks. That game is awful. I didn't even try it. It's so I played the beta um, and it was it was so bad. I ended up playing it for like a couple hours and like it was one of those things where I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not having a fun (laughs) time playing this game. Cause it's a, um, you know, it's just like one of those like task themes where it's like, Oh, you're like a journey. You have to like kill, mow down some dudes. And then you have to like get to this target point. Right. So like, it's time consuming. It's task driven. And it's like, this thing, am I having fun doing this? No, I'm not. Um, so not guardians, not Avengers. I did play a PlayStation five exclusive. That's a little game called Deathloop. Um, it's been out for great a couple months now. This is like the first game where it's like, oh, if you have a PS5, you should like you have to buy Deathloop. Like it's the first thing I've heard. Awesome things about Ratchet and Clank, too. But to be honest, I've never played a Ratchet and Clank game. So I was like, I feels weird jumping in now on like the eighth installment. Um, Deathloop, though, it is from. Bethesda. It's like the first original Bethesda idea that isn't tied to like a Fallout or a Skyrim or like something like that. And like that I can remember in a very long time because you know, Bethesda takes their time with their games. The basic premise of this game is that it is, um, it's Groundhog Day, but you are getting hunted down at the end of every day um you're in this world where basically it's this kind of utopian paradise where you can just like kill as much as you want and like do all the drugs and like you can do anything that you want and then the day will just reset and you can just kind of live in this world over and over and over again and you play this guy who As like very, very minor spoilers for the plot of the game that you were somebody, you were like a security officer in this world and you wanted to break the loop. You wanted to get out of this cycle and now you're being hunted down every day for the rest of your life. And now it has become like a sport to try and kill you at the end of every day. And you just have to try and make it through. You have to kill um, a certain number of these people that have these like a special abilities, basically other like security officer type people. You have to kill them all in the course of 24 hours to break the loop. Um, and there's a multiplayer component, right? Yes. So yeah, that's, that's kind I of heard. the thing that makes this game special Somebody is you can come in and fuck up your shit. You basically there's, I mean, if you look at the, um, the cover art, you see the two main people that are in this world. Right. Um, I'm blanking on the names of Colt. The, yeah, Colt is the main guy in uh, uh god, I'm blanking on uh, uh what her name is. Juliana? Um, Juliana. Yes. So, you're basically you're playing the game from Colt's perspective at the end of beginning of every morning you wake up on a beach and you can like have like basically a box where eventually you get to this point in the game where you can like save one or two things from your last loop so you aren't starting completely over again but the genius thing about this game is more important than any guns that you get more important than any abilities that you get is knowledge Mm. like that's what you the one thing that you can retain with each loop is like okay I know this character will be at this point at this time of day so like I can hit I can go to this location I can bang out two dudes at the same time like kind of thing Things like that that you can kind of put together this whole thing. The multiplayer component is that you can play as Juliana, who's one of the people who you have to kill to survive. You play as Juliana and you can just go into any other character's world and fucking kill them. And like just start their loop over again. And so it really does open up. Honestly, playing as Juliana is almost just as fun as the main story mode. When you're playing as
0: Colt and you see a Juliana that is always
1: another player um if you have it online turned on then yeah okay so you yeah. can it, it can you be can, you, yeah you can play it offline gotcha. um people are probably happy whenever i play as juliana because a lot of times i'm not very good and they can just like <laughs> yeah. fuck me up um but like some of the abilities and stuff that you have are really cool it actually reminds me of a lot of bioshock the gameplay nice which i know og
0: or infinite um
1: because
0: i think both infinite especially infinite
1: um a lot like infinite with like the abilities to kind of like you know just kind of some of the special ticks and stuff like that that you can do um there's like it's like telekinesis yeah like telekinesis shit, there's yeah. things where you can like like kind of like connect a few different people and like you kill one of them and then like they all drop and nice. stuff like a bunch of different things like that they're just really really cool some like time slowing abilities and shit like that um that's just It's just like one of the most creative games that I've played in a very, very long time. Just that loop idea isn't something that's completely brand new, but this is definitely the most well executed version of that that I've ever used that I've ever played in a game before. Um, A lot of times it just kind of I'm trying to think of a good example of another loop game that I've played, but I've played some in the past where it's like. It gets very frustrating where it's like you die at like a certain point and you're like, fuck this. Like I just did so much work and I have to start over again. This doesn't really feel that way because at the end of the day, if you die, you can still like save certain items that you have gotten certain abilities, certain things like that, that you can pass over into your next, um, your next run and also you I will say you actually you have 3 lives for every time that you are alive so you don't die once and then have to all the way start back over again so it does give a little bit of leeway that way but so you know, when I really when cool. I look at
0: time loop games
1: um I get uh, Majora's Mask Well Majora's Mask is i that's,
0: that's like the thing. The
1: majora's part. mask is the tier majora's mask is like my favorite game ever like i'm gonna get a majora's mask tattoo on my body because i i don't recognize there's a bunch of random games oh bioshock infinite is on here yeah that one's kind of a time loop honestly um, stanley parable oh stanley parable is yeah that's that's another one that's very good one. I never got super duper into Stanley Parable, but Returnal Returnal is another PS5 game that just came yeah. out right before Deathloop and kind of bad beat by that one, because I've heard pretty good things. But unfortunately, it came out like two weeks within Deathloop, which is a Bethesda game. It, yeah, and it ate its lunch. Yeah, unfortunately for that. Um, one other quick game thing is uh, Nintendo. Uh, just released Nintendo switch online plus expansion pack. Um, so basically it's there. You had Nintendo switch online where you could do like uh, SNES games and some NES games and stuff like that. But now the expansion pack, you can play in 64 games, including Ocarina of time and uh, Mario Kart 64. So and first Mario time Tennis. on switch. Yes. Yeah. What? Which took, took, two, m- two, yeah, two, took-, <laughs> took fucking four years to do that That's way crazy. too fucking long. Um, And yes, I am once again paying for a game that I just, I have an N64 that I could just bust out and play, but you better believe your fucking ass I'm doing an Ocarina of Time playthrough right now because Ocarina of Time is, Ocarina of Time in reality is my number one, Majora's Mask is like 1B right there behind it. I've never, I've never done a full playthrough. I've played, I've actually beaten Majora's Mask, I think like four times. I think this is the fifth time that I'm playing through Ocarina of Time. It's the best game ever made.
0: We, uh, we got to get David's take on Sora
1: joining Smash Bros. I, David was so excited. (laughs) Like, I have not seen, like. to clear the board. (laughs) No, David like messaged in like a group chat. I was just like, guys, like you have no idea how much this means to me that Sora is in Smash. Like, he wanted Sora to be in Smash for as long as I could possibly remember. Yeah, yeah. It did kind hope of make me, good. Yeah. I mean, again, it's another thing where it's like, I already own the game. I could just play it on its original console. But, like, whenever I did see Kingdom Hearts get put on Switch, I was like, I could do a Kingdom Hearts 2 run through again. Dude, just go back in for old time's sake. Never forget Kingdom
0: Hearts 3. The wettest <sighs> fart of all time. <sighs>
1: That's probably the biggest gaming disappointment that like I've ever had in my life. Maybe one day I'll, I'll go back to it. I've heard one that it's day. like fine. Just it's just not it's not what I
0: wanted. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll mention a couple video game things while we're here. I'm a Game Pass shill now. Oh, yeah. I'm a PC. But gamer. not. Yeah. Not on the Xbox. Yeah. PC. Well, I have Xbox on my computer. Uh, well, There's an yeah. Xbox button that I click <laughs> And it takes me to Game Pass. Um, I got Age of Empires 4. So I'm riding on that. Fuck yeah. It's dope. Um not maybe as good as the OG shit. I, maybe I'll need to get more into it, but I'm just so attached to like the
1: OG Age of Empires. Age of, I, Age of Empires and Age of Empires 2 were like. Well, Age of Empires 2 is yeah, the. Really, fu- it, was, it was mostly Age of Empires 2 and then 3. I played just that original trilogy. I played them all, all the time. Like, 2 I'm, is the like, GOAT. That was the reason why I wasn't as ever into Civ because you were like a Civ kid or you were an Age of Empires kid. Right. And that was an Age of Empires kid. Yeah uh and the other couple
0: things they have on there because like the thing with game pass i didn't realize this i guess you have an xbox so you know this but like you literally just pay 15 dollars a month and you can play like all the fucking yeah, you play games everything. on there
1: yeah it's uh because m- i'm mostly a playstation boy a ps5 boy but uh i do also have an xbox yeah i mean well with ps plus you get like some free games you get free games and then there's like uh you have access to the playstation plus library they're trying to build it out because i think they realized that xbox was like taking their fucking lunch when it comes to Dude, it's amazing. game pass game pass is the best I it's was so fucking you don't the, ever need to buy new games theoretically like, they have so much fucking they have there.
0: all the fallouts all the elder scrolls like because you know, Bethesda mm-hmm. got bought out. But they have a bunch of other like indie shit, like Undertale and shit like that.
1: Undertale's um, awesome if you've never played Undertale. I I yeah, but. I gotta
0: get on it. The the ones I wanted to shout out that actually I played, I played the new Forza. So I'm a Forza head now. I'm just driving around in Forza Horizon five, just fucking going hard just on and just the sunset. Yeah, just talking about family and the <laughs> movies.
1: It's- i you know forza is just i love that i forza never change i just love that every (laughs) time that there's like it's a new year like e3 is just always started like and guys don't forget forza new forza and it always it looks incredible and you're just driving around just drive look at how hyper realistic these driving mechanics are dude
0: that's the thing (laughs) is like you're sitting there driving and it's like the controls are so precise it's so well done. Like, oh, it just it's so satisfying to like get a drift in there. Oh, and uh, the other thing, friend of the pod, Brett and I played the other night, Halo Master Chief Collection. Oh, we dove into Halo 3 multiplayer and it was yeah, like the, the nostalgia just came rushing in. Uh, we're about to get into nostalgia in a little bit here with uh, Edgar Wright's new movie, but it's a hell of a fucking drug, man holy shit halo just like the receptors in the back of my brain I'm just like I was never an xbox guy I always had to go over to friends houses to play halo but like the music as soon as you hear that music oh. <laughs> it just it takes you back man and
1: now they have this
0: new one coming out halo infinite so I,
1: dude I'm, I'm like i'm fucking, going in i god damn it dude i like i keep i'm trying to like convince my wife like hey and I know, I know she just gotta switch oled and i'm like hey but what if you just like also got an xbox series x so then we could like play <laughs> halo infinite and by we play halo infinite i mean i can just play halo infinite on your console because it just or I could just get a PC. PC is more expensive than a new gaming console, unfortunately. How um, much is but, a Series X? Uh, 400. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for like that a is, good rig. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I... God, dude, Halo 2 and Halo 3, especially Halo 3 Online, is like the best online multiplayer it's i'm glad that like with master chief collection that came back a bit because like halo is always so much fucking better than call of duty halo it, is the best brett and i were just having this conversation it's, it, like it was so much i love i fucking love modern warfare modern warfare 2 like online like yeah i probably played more hours total with those games just because that was it was again it was on both consoles but Halo is just the best. It was the most pure yeah. thing. It was like zany but in the right ways. It's seamless jumping back into it. Like it just, it just like there, comes there's back. There's some
0: different things when you're on a mouse and keyboard, obviously. Like mm-hmm. it does, it's not like right on your fingertips precisely, you know, as it is with like if I was playing with an Xbox controller. But everything else is just like, oh, it just feels so right. So that's uh that's all we got for you folks this week um that is we bought a mic and we will be here with you for our reviews of the french dispatch and last night in soho so thank you so much for listening thank you for tuning in um we've got lots of things coming at you with our robin williams series in the next few weeks so please stick around for that that's going to be running. Uh, for the rest of the year, while we also touch on some new releases as well, because there is some other stuff coming out. Encanto, uh, Licorice Pizza. Mm. There's a new GDT movie coming out. Yeah. Nightmare, Nightmare Alley. Nightmare baby. Uh, Spider-Man, obviously, Matrix 4. So, we're getting in here until the, the final weeks of the year. And, and you know, we want to uh, keep doing our Robin series while also making sure that we talk about all these new great movies. And then... In January, Listomania, baby. It's happening.
1: Mm, got you, got it. your, We're coming you got your up list a, ready? Oh, no, not at all. What? I Unfortunately, a certain album got released on Friday that kind of threw a whole fucking wrench into my albums that I had listed so far. Silk so. Sonic? Oh, yeah. Coheed and Sonic? Coheed and Sonic, yeah. Co- I believe the door. Coheed. Um,
0: well, we will hopefully get drew back from wherever he's proposing to uh bridesmaids
1: Mm. all over god i'm gonna just have to say yes he keeps asking me if he can just join in join the thruple
0: oh join the thruple yeah
1: yeah and i think that i think i thought we
0: were the thruple
1: Uh, no he wants to join so it'll be a quadruple (laughs) thank you for
0: listening uh please be sure to email us at we at gmail.com and follow us on social media at we bought a mic and subscribe on uh Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen, you can always send us a message and donate at anchor.fm slash mic Thank you, all you beautiful donors. And uh check out the website at weepottomic.net where you can find every episode. And we might have some bonus end-of-year content on there mm-hmm. if you're listening closely. It might be uh, a little tough to fit everything into the podcast, so keep an eye on the uh on the uh website for additional best of the year best of 2021 stuff and obviously all our lists will be on there as well so you can dive deep um next week stick around for the fisher king as we dive back into robin williams uh and then beyond that hook hook will be the next one with a mm-hmm. little special guest perhaps for you all right thanks for listening we love you Bye-bye.
1: Bye.